<laughs> Good morning, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. Hey, Mr. Berry. Uh, we know there's a few more people coming in the back. You guys go ahead and come on in uh, as we get started. We're going to start our service with a song just to get everybody in the mood and thinking about the truth of the word. So if you guys will rise and sing, uh, the words will be up on the screen. We're going to sing Because He Lives. God sent His Son, they called Him Jesus, He came to love, heal and forgive, He lived and died, to buy my pardon, and My Savior lives. Come on, church. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I certain days because he Gives way to victory. I see the light of glory, and I'll know He lives because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He.
sing it one more time, church. Because he lives. Because he lives, I can face Amen. And because he lives, we can gather here today and just openly and freely just proclaim the grace of God on everybody. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. It's good to see Isaac back in the house, wherever he is. He's here somewhere. There he is. He's in the back back there. Good to see you back, Isaac. Hallelujah. Up and and kicking. And Sarah's giving you a hard time now, right? Okay. It's time. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for you. And guys, as you can see, there's quite a bit of the crew gone uh, uh, up here today. They're the different directions. Some are in New Mexico, some are at the coast. But isn't it great that we can have God here, there, and wherever anyone lifts their heart to him, he is there in their midst. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to him right now. Father God, I do praise your name and thank you that we can gather together in this place and know that we know that we know that you're here amongst us, Lord God. That you're moving within our lives and within our hearts. And and those who are still in the hospital, such as uh, Miss Patty, Lord, and those who are on vacation and such, you're God there as well. You are that God that can be all places all the time. So I pray this morning, Lord, that they will know that they are missed, but may they also know most of all and hear your voice in their hearts, wherever they may be. May you speak to them clearly and eloquently this morning in a way that they can hear you. And God, may you be here amongst us and just pour out your anointing upon us. May we be able to say that we didn't just go to church, but that we sat, we prayed, we sang, and we stood in the presence of the one who loves us the most, Lord Jesus. So Father, I just pray if there is someone here today that does not know you, if there's someone here today that has not accepted that free gift of grace, that gift that was bought on that cross, That when your blood was spilled on Calvary, you did it so that whomsoever could believe in you. If there's someone here today that has never surrendered their heart to you, may they make that happen. May they choose life before it's too late. May thy will be done, Father. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Like I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Shake hands around you a little bit. Tell somebody you're glad to see them in God's house. Got the joy, 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 joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. 
And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy. So very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my soul. Down in the depths of my soul. Down in the depths of my soul. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my soul. Down in the depths of my soul to stay, and I'm so happy. So very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack, sit on attack, sit on attack, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack today, and I'm so happy. Come on and join us. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. Sing it out, church. Got the love of Jesus in my heart. I'm so happy, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy. So very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Amen. If you're happy to have the love of Jesus in your heart this morning, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can grab a seat for just a few minutes. Uh, Before we get just a couple of announcements this morning, but I want to make a, a couple of recognitions, one of which... Uh, the Kobath, or the Kobath family, I should say, they're, they're having a family reunion day, and he said there's like 20 of y'all back there. Amen. So give them a hand. Amen. Also, too, let me make sure she's here. Yep, there she is. We have a very special guest in the house. If you didn't know, Miss Beulah's been here so many, many years, but Miss Beulah has a change coming up this week that I think anyone should honor. She turns 90 this week. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Lots of stories there with Miss Beulah. Praise the Lord. Just a couple of announcements, one of which, let me uh, put forth. If you did not know, we have a newsletter in the church. It's called The Witness. 
A lot of us, different ones of us write articles within it, and then Julie Dogbert uh, edits and puts it together for us. She puts a lot of work into that, and I want to encourage you, if you have not been reading this, to get with Wendy, and she can put your name on the email list. That's the primary way it goes out, and you can read it on email. However, if you don't have email or you'd rather a hard copy, if you would give her your name on that list, she can print you a copy as well. I've had folks come and ask, well, where do you get those? I think there's a link on the website too, right? So you can go to the web page, our website, and actually click the link to get to it too. So you can have it emailed, you can go to the website, or you can get on a list and she'll print you one off physically to have in your hand as well. So this month is uh, in the wild at VBS is the primary story on the front. But if you haven't got one of these and you'd like to, get with Wendy and she can include you on whichever list you need to be. Yes, ma'am? Oh, you're just raising your hand so they knew who you were. All right. Okay, uh, just a couple other announcements. Uh, those uh, the, the, going on the mission trip to, on the Alaskan missions, remember we're going to have a short meeting right after church service this morning. And also, Monday, our youth are going to be heading to youth camp. So please remember to keep them in your prayers, safe travels, and they have a good week, and that God moves within the hearts and the lives of these teenagers. I pray that those who don't know Christ will come to know Christ. Those that do will grow in Christ. And who knows, some of them may be called into the mission field or ministry at some point. So let's make sure we lift our young people up in prayer as well. Amen? I think that's all the announcements I'm going to put forth this morning. Brother Tim, Tim's going to come up. Tim's going to share the scripture with us. In case you cannot see his tie from a distance, he has been trained well. (laughs) It's a Bugs Bunny tie. You go, buddy. (laughs) Amen. Father God, I lift up my brother to you. I just ask in the name of Jesus that as Tim speaks, you just bless him and his family, his willingness and his obedience. And may we hear you through him. God, may we hear your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. So this week I've been reflecting on a couple of things in meditation and uh, during my uh, time with Christ. And a couple of things have been standing out to me uh, and presented to me over the past weeks. Um, I guess the, the number one thing that I want to, uh, to relate that's been on my heart has been um, change. I think we can all, all agree that uh, change happens every day, every day we wake up. Uh, nothing's the same. Um, there's been many things in my life. I think uh, some by selfish choices and others as I grow as a Christian by God's will and design. Um, there's been many things in my life that's happened. I think there's many things in this church that's happened. There's many things in the membership of this church that's over this past year uh, that we can all uh, agree that, uh, that have happened, that have changed lives of people change lives of the complex, change lives of the building. Uh, the members here, I don't remember uh, when I talk about the church, that uh, I just want to remind us that we are the church. It's not this facility like Pastor Frank talks about all the time that, we, that we're in. Although those things have changed, um, I think it's in our daily lives that, they, that we really need to seek and, and look at those changes. Um, Change is constant. It's a, it's a constant thing in our life. It's always going to be there. I think it's, it's not easy for us um, as a body of Christ and, and, uh, and uh, 
an individual, I think we fear change. I don't think that it's an easy thing for any of us to get around. We, we, we have a fear of losing control. Um, we get anxious about it. Uh, but as Christians, we've got to realize that our lives are going to change daily. And that uh, Christ wants us to be transformed. Every day he wants us to be transformed, put renewing of our mind and a renewing of our heart. Um, he's not done it with us just because we've reached that point of salvation. He's going to continue to work in us and mold us each day more and more in the image of his likeness. That reminds me of uh, uh, the uh, scripture Romans 12 2. I'll read it to you. I should run on my bus. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed by this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. I read this to be uh, something like it's a, it's a, it has to begin with us. It has to begin with a change in your mindset. We're expected by God to renew our thinking each day when we begin to look so that we may begin to look more and more like Christ. We, we, we change we begin when we, we start thinking more of... Uh, we change from thinking about the me or the I and we and we, when we sacrifice, as we change, our own desires to have things done our way or the way it's always traditionally been done. We must always, though, continue to maintain our biblical principles, but we change through sacrifice in order to bring more souls into the kingdom of God. And so the souls that have already been won can be strengthened and refreshed. One thing we can always count on, I think, is there will be change. The second thing that comes to mind for me is, according to Hebrews 13.8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and always, forever. We can hold on to that, that he will never change, and it is, it is God himself. That is one thing that will never change. Everything else in this world that we look at Right now, from this point on, will change. Let's go to the Lord, uh, to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, help us to embrace change, having confidence, knowing you are the author of all things. As everything changes around us in this world, help us to not fear. Give us strength to rise above every situation and overcome, overcome the darkness. I trust you, Father, that all things will work out according to your will and plans for our lives. You, Lord, are our guide and our salvation. In Father's name I pray. Amen. Uh, speaking of change, the, the first line of this song says, I'm not skilled to understand what God has willed or God, what God has planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. So we're going to sing that this morning. We're going to sing My Savior, My God. If you guys would rise and sing with us, once again, the words will be on the screen.
am not skilled to understand What God has willed, what God has planned I only know it is right hand Stands one who is my Savior I take him at his word and deed Christ died to save me, this I read And in my heart I find a need For Him to be my Savior That He would leave His place on high And come for sinful men to die You counted strange, so once did I Before I knew my Savior my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. Live and die and let me bring My strength, my soul is from this spring That he who lives to be my king Once died to be my savior That he would leave his place on high Come for sinful man to die. You counted strength, so once did I. Before I knew my Savior, my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always going to be. Oh, 
next song is called Hallelujah, What a Savior.
What a Savior, Redeemer and King, your love has rescued me.
When my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore, forevermore. Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship Your holy name Come on Lord Bless the Lord Oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy Worship your holy name. I will worship your holy name. Great job, guys. You can grab a seat this morning if you have your Bibles. Well, I think that is the absolute perfect song to bring in the sermon this morning. Amen. I want us to turn to Psalms 19. And Psalms 19 is one of those psalms that I can hear David singing like Chris and the group just led us in. Worship your name. That's what he's telling us to do. Worship his name. And that's what David was doing in Psalms 19. He was worshiping the name of God. He was worshiping who God is. In fact, Psalms 19 is probably one of my, if not my favorite psalm. It is my favorite psalm, actually. It's because it cries out where I come from, if you will. It cries out how we can see the glory of God if we just look around us. Amen? And it's true. We can see it out there. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. The glory of God and how we should worship His name and the, and the grace and the love that comes with that. But in Psalms 19... It tells us, to me, Psalms 19 is David singing unto the Lord. David is singing for you and I as well. He has recognized and realized the love that God has for us. And now, how has he done that? I'm going to start off with a story this morning. In Ripley's Believe It or Not. In Ripley's Believe It or Not, the longest love letter ever written was written by a Frenchman, Marcel de la Cure, in 1875. Now, he was an artist in Paris, France, and his letter contained three words, three-word phrase. It was a French phrase, obviously, chavousain. And if you speak French, chavousain means I love you. Chavousain, three words. Now, what makes it interesting is those three words was written 1,875,000 times in that letter, repetitively. Just shavu same, shavu same, shavu same. One million eight hundred seventy-five thousand times, and he didn't even write the letter. He had it. He had a scribe. He brought in a scribe, and he dictated it to the scribe, who then the scribe 
he had dictate it back. I mean, say it back to him. So he would say, Shavu same. The, the scribe would say, Shavu same. I love you. I love you. And they did that 1,875,000 times in that letter. Now, John Ripley, the founder of Ripley's Believe It or Not, he said that to him, this was the greatest manifestation of love for someone because of the expenditure of time and effort that went into making that letter. Now, somebody else then comes around and says, that seems absolutely crazy. That's ridiculous. He said only three words over and over and over. But that's how some people think. As long as you say something repetitively, that means it's there. If, as long as I say I love you, then it must be so. I don't need to follow it up in action. Praise God. In contrast, when God showed his love for David, David realized it wasn't a letter spoken 1,875,000 times the same thing. God did far more than write down just I love you. For you and I, God did far more than just write down, hey, I'm thinking about you every now and then. In Psalms 19, David tells us how God showed his love. And in the very first part of that, in verse... In verse 1 and 2 of 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims the works of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims the works of his hands. Folks, David looked up to the heavens. Now you can kind of picture this. David is out and he's hearing what's going on and David looks up to the heavens And he sees God's love filling the night sky. He sees the stars. He sees the plants. He sees the glory. Abraham Lincoln used to say, I never behold the stars that I do not feel as though I see the face of God looking back at me. Amen. David looked up at the stars and he was was mystified at how beautiful it was, how much beauty God allowed him to see. But David also, when he looked up to the stars, he saw God in the creation as well. You know, in our modern society, in our culture, we rarely, because of light pollution, and we like to sit in the house so much, we very rarely truly see the starry majesty that David would have seen. But every once in a while, maybe we're out, out camping somewhere, or if you can get out to West Texas around Marfa, or, or the Big Bend area, and you camp, and you look up, and you see the end, because there's no light pollution to speak of, and you can get out there and, and see the starry sky, it is incredible. If you've never been somewhere where you could see the Milky Way swirling up, you've never been to see that sky like David would see it, I pray that you will sometime before it's too late. It is absolutely phenomenal. In fact, when I go camping way far from all lights and I can see that sky, it's almost overwhelming. There is so much we miss looking up into the sky here. But David saw it all. David saw the glory of God in the skies, and he was just, he was, he was just incredibly enamored. In Psalms, in Psalms 8, David's speaking. He says, when I look at your heavens, O Lord, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is it, man, that you are mindful of him? And he goes on in the next phrase there. He says, what is the son of man that you care for him? In other words, David was saying, when I look at the creation When I look at beauty, when I look at the glory, when I look at everything you've done, who am I? Why would you care about what I am, Lord? Why would you care of who I am? David's looking up at the skies and he's singing, I am so small. But praise God, he did care. 
God does care about David. God does care about you and I. And God reaches down and he works and inner works for you and I. David knew this. David realized that even as beautiful as it is, God loves me. And that's why he strived and tried so hard, as the Bible says, to be a man after God's own heart. Just think, if David looked up at the sky and saw the, the heavens and said, I truly want to be a man after God's own heart, how much more would he have done if he knew what we knew today? If the writer of this psalm, if he knew what we knew about the stars in the sky. Because when you think about it, God created the stars in the heavens and they are beautiful. But it's more than just a pretty face. Amen? When God created the heavens and the universe, he did that for you and I. Over the centuries, stars have served as a, as a way to measure seasons. They are used by people all the way from Genesis. We see it in the book of Genesis. We see it in the structures of the Aztecs. We see it in the structures of the Egyptians. We may even see it in Stonehenge. But people were able, the ancients were able to take the stars and chart the the planets and know the best times to plant and the best times to harvest. God didn't just put them there for beauty. He said, I want to make sure that you can plant food. I want to make sure that you can thrive and survive. I'm going to put this incredible celestial clock in order so that you can learn how to use it. I care about you so much that I'm not only going to make it beautiful, I'm going to make it so it feeds you as well. And as you can say, if you feed me, I'm loved. God was showing his love. I want to make sure you're able to know when to cr- the plant. The sailors, sailors would use it to, to travel the uncharted seas. They could look at the stars and they could travel and go here and go there. Many of the planets act as a buffer for us if, we didn't know, if you didn't know that. Because of their size and their placement, they're a protective shield that deflect meteors and asteroids and, and all the space debris and all the stuff we put up there. These planets suck it all away. And then our, the closest star, our very own sun, folks, again, you can see the workmanship of God. You can see the glory of God. It is clearly the sun, our sun, our star was designed so that life could be possible here on earth. God knew exactly what to do. The sun's temperature and distance from earth is ideal for life. If it was any closer, we'd all get fried. The whole earth would be cooked. If it was any further away, then we would all freeze to death. It was placed in a a specific spot with a specific size so that we could have life. That's how much God loves us. He didn't just speak us into creation. He had to speak the celestial clock into creation. And when David looked up and saw beauty, God was thinking, that's, that's nice, David, but there's so much more. You know, if our, people like make fun of our son. Scientists say, well, our son's so tiny comparatively. But again, our son is perfect for us. If it emitted more radiation, the big stars put out a lot of harmful radiation. They have devastating uh, solar flares that go out into the system. If our star shot out a de- devastating solar flare, it would fry all of everything, not... Not to meet, not even thinking about what it would do to our cell phones. Those solar flares would destroy us. Guys, what I'm trying to point out here, David looked up and he just saw the beauty of the celestial bodies. He saw the beauty of the night sky. He saw the clouds, I mean the stars and the, and the planets and the heavens. And he declared, wow, God. 
Look at the majesty. Look how much you love me by providing this beauty. You and I have much more knowledge than even David had. How much more should we look up just at the sky and say, man, this was designed by God for me. This was designed by God to make life possible. It is so much more than just a pretty face. God had to put a lot of intellect and a lot of power into positioning everything just so. If they are a declaration of God's love, uh, the beauty of the planet, then how much more should I love him in return? Amen? Amen. But he doesn't stop there. He says, look at the heavens. Look, look at the stars. Look at the things that God has produced, that the beauty of God's produced. We can look at that and say, it is beautiful, and it's so much more. But then David goes even further. In Romans, notice what he says in Romans. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19, it says, since what, since what can be known about God is evident amongst them, because God has shown it to them, from the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without an excuse. Folks, when we look at the heavens, we know so much more than David did. We can look at the heavens and when we realize the mathematical precision of where every planet is placed, where everything's come together, how in the world could we deny that there is a creator? How in the world can we deny that there is a God? How in the world can we step away from that? There is no excuse. If we just, just that simple thing, looking at the heavens of the universe, if we choose then to say there is no God, we have no excuse. We do and accept whatever consequences come from that decision. God has made it. David looked up into the heavens and he saw a God who was not only powerful, he saw a God who loved him enough to show him the beauty of creation. But he didn't stop there. While the heavens declare his creation, while the heavens declare the, the love of God in creation, he also do, does it in the written word. He reveals to us how God feels about us. God shows us the beauty of the celestial bodies. He shows us and, and allows us to see what it means to be loved enough to be able to put forces in place to protect us, to feed us, to watch us. But then he goes on a little bit further. He jumped down to verse 7. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The commandment of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, sweeter than honey, than honey dripping from a comb. Notice that again. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, sweeter than honey, than dripping honey, from a comb. Now, what is he saying here, guys? Bear in mind, David's Bible at that time was much, much smaller than yours and mine. It's not about how big the book is. It's how much you see God in the book. There was no New Testament at the time. Christ is still centuries away. 
Christ has not been born yet. Uh, less than half the Old Testament had been written at that time. There was a few books of history at the time, but primarily what David would have been studying, what David was talking about when he, when he says here that the instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. He is talking about the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, the Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's talking about the books, the Torah. He knows the, the primary books here. He's saying, wow, when I read those books, what David was, was talking about, he said, I am praising these here. I am praising the law. I am praising the precepts of the law. I am praising the commandments. I am praising the rules. When I read those things in the Torah, when I read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when I read those things, it is sweeter than honey. It is incredible. It is worth more than the purest gold, more precious than the finest gold. And we may stop and say, whoa, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Those books are boring. We tend to look at the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We say, oh, gosh, we're going to have a Bible study in that. That's all talking about tedious rules and, and regulations and genealogies and, you know, Frank, all that boring stuff. Why would I want to go there? They speak of an angry, vindictive God who doesn't seem to love anybody. He's always mad. That's what a lot of scholars have tried to present over the years. That's a lot, a lot of people have tried to present. In fact, there's a heresy lurking around in the church sometimes that says that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. That the God of the Old Testament is mean and harsh and spiteful. But the God of the New Testament, he is loving and forgiving and graceful. Folks, that is a bunch of hogwash. My God is a God from yesterday till tomorrow, from everlasting to everlasting. He is the same God all the way through. He is the same God that cares from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, from everlasting to everlasting. He is the same God. Sure, the Old Testament does talk about right and wrong. It does talk about good and evil. It does talk about morality. And of course, there's a whole lot of judgment and condemnation of the wicked. Yes, those things are there. But folks, we read this Bible and we say, oh man, God's so judgmental in the Old Testament. That's not the way David saw it, nor is it the way that we should see it. You see, when David read the Torah, when David read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, David saw a God that loved us enough that he defined what was good and what was bad. He defined what was evil and what was not. He defined and it showed that he was a God who hated wickedness. He was a God who punished evildoers. He was a God that would take care of those that were, who were opposing him. But he rewarded those who tried to do well. He rewarded those who tried to listen to his precepts and did what he did. He wasn't a God that said, okay, now you just get out there and I'll punish you if you do wrong. He wasn't a God that didn't give us any kind of job description, if you will. He wasn't a God to just say, I can't wait till they mess up so I can him. He loved us enough, and David knew by reading the Torah, when I read the rules of God, when I read his judgment, his judgment doesn't fall on me when I'm doing what I'm supposed to. His judgment falls on the wicked. His judgment falls on those who oppose him, not those who go with him. Thank you, God, that you've shown me what's best for my body, as David said. You've shown me how I am to live. You've shown me right from wrong. You've taught me good from evil. You've taught me morality to immorality. I now see what it means to be a good human being. Thank you, God. 
That's what the Old Testament does. It's not that he's a judgmental, vindictive God. He is a God who stands for righteousness. You and I have been given the choice to choose righteous or unrighteous. If we choose unrighteous, well, guess what? It's going to seem harsh. If we choose righteous, we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, as those arms wrap around us. He loved us enough to be our heavenly father. It's not a father who allows his child to do whatever he wants to do. For when that child grows up and goes out into the world, that society and, and the, the forces to be are not going to allow him to do whatever he wants to do. He finds himself incarcerated or dead. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, that poor little guy. No, he wasn't loved enough as a child to be taught how to be an adult. But my God loved me enough from the beginning, from the, in my mother's womb, to be able to lay out the Torah, and it's sweeter than honey, more precious than the finest gold, because I don't have to worry about what it is. I can read the scriptures and see a God who cares. Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. In addition, your servant is warned by these words. There is a great reward in keeping them. Jump down 13. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed and from blatant rebellion. You see, guys, there is something good about God's written word that changes people's lives. He loved us enough to put the celestial bodies in place. He loved us enough to see not only their beauty, but now to know that they, they command a presence. They to let us know when we are to plant, how to eat, how to live. But then he gave us his word so that we can see from his word what it means to be what he's called us to be. Just from his word. I can take it from the Bible and say this is what it means to be a decent and good human being. That I can go forth and speak the gospel. That the Bible has been given to us as a tool to seriously turn us into and make us better people. In other words, God loves us so much that he has given us an instrument that can transform our lives. When I read the Bible and I truly study the scriptures, thine word I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. When I allow this Bible to be the light onto my path, when I truly seek out its precepts, its rules, and its regulations, it's not that I see a judgmental God. I see a God that says, you do these things, and you're going to have the optimum lifestyle. You do these things, and your life is going to be peaceful. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have tribulations and trials. doesn't mean that you're not going to have things go wrong in your life. What that means is that when I close my eyes at the end of the day, my spirit can rest easy in the fact of knowing that my God loves me, that my God cares about me, and he cared enough to give me something to transform myself. Kind of another picture, illustration to kind of to show you this. The last major battle of World War II, was in, in the Pacific anyway, was the Battle of Okinawa. Thousands of people lost their lives, both American and Japanese. And the Allies, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Allies would win this battle. But it was very important that they won this island because it allowed them to set up an air base within range of the Japanese homeland. So it was a very harsh, harsh battle. A lot of men lost their lives. As the Americans took the island... 
many of the Okinawans believed that the, the lie that was fed to them, that the Americans were vicious conquerors who would mercilessly kill any of the captives they came on upon. So they were committing suicide by the hundreds, and some say even by the thousands. They were committing suicide rather than get into the hands of these evil Americans that would skin them alive. Well, the, this, this story is told... And, it's, and I can show you where the, the, the article was. It was in one of my DAV magazines. But anyway, advanced patrol of Americans were going through the island. And they come upon this remote village. About a thousand people in this village. And they come up to this village. And they're, they're, they're kind of befuddled. They're, they're dumbfounded. Because two elderly men meet them on the road barring their passage. And they come up to these two men and they bow real low to them and start talking in Japanese. So the sergeant has their interpreter come up. And the interpreter listens to him a little bit and he, he kind of shakes his head and he looks back to the sergeant and he says, Sir, they are welcoming us as fellow Christians. One says he's the mayor of the village. The other one says he's the schoolmaster of the village. And the book under his arm is the Bible. Well, they're kind of taken aback. And and I want to read to you, this is what the war correspondent said. We'd seen other Okinawan villages uniformly down at the hills and despairing. By contrast, this one shone like a diamond in a dung heap. Proudly, the two old men showed us their spotless homes, their fertile terraced fields, their storehouses, their granaries, and their prized sugar. When the story was told, what happened was 30 years previously... A missionary, one man, on his way to Japan with a bunch of Bibles translated in Japanese, was traveling through this island. He came across these two people, or he came across these people, two converts. He had two converts that he led to the Lord. Gave them a Bible, taught them a couple of, of, of hymns, and went on about his way. So they had this Bible written in Japanese. They didn't know what it was. He, they hadn't had Bible studies or anything like that. They just started reading it. He only stayed long enough to lead them to the Lord. But in those 30 years, they had picked their way through that Bible. And in their village, they had adopted the Ten Commandments as their legal code. They had taken the Sermon on the Mount from the New Testament and made that their their laws of social conduct. In their school, the Bible became the chief piece of literature. Kids were taught to, to read and memorize scriptures. The Bible became the precepts of law in that village. Later, the correspondent he, and the sergeant and the translator, they go back to a, a, a worship service. And they listen to the worship service. And they listen to these people. And he, he, the interpreter leans over and says, you know, maybe we've been fighting. He looks over at a, at a mortar hole over here, actually. He says, he, I, maybe we've been fighting this battle with the wrong tools all along. Because these people that have the Bible have totally changed life. And because of two, and this was his words, two old men wanting to to serve Jesus, this entire village knows what the peace of Jesus is. Amen. These are two men who all they had was the word of God. But they read that word of God. And they did to the best ability. They didn't have anybody come from seminary to train them. They didn't have any kind of specified Bible studies to to socialize them into this. They read the precepts. They read the words upon the writ page. And they came to the glory just like David did. That God loved them enough to give them a tool to transform their lives. And on on an island where everybody's committing suicide and, and dying, 
They had a, a, a village that was thriving. They had a village that was welcoming. They had a village that wasn't relying on men, but was relying on Christ. Folks, David saw the same. David saw that through the word of God, Jesus, that, that God himself could manifest himself. And we now have the New Testament, and we can see how much God loves us. David knew the power of God's written word to transform and, and improve the lives of those who would listen to him. David knew that the love of Christ, the love of God, was shown by the fact that he gave us that road map. That God had not given up on him, nor has God given up on us. That God believed that we could be better than what we were, but loved us enough not to allow us to stay where we were. That's the whole point of the scriptures, guys. He gives us the celestial bodies, but he gives us the word to transform us. As much as David understood the love of God, as much as we should by the stars and the word of God, but even David... Just as science has shown us more about the stars, Christ has shown us more about his word. David loved the Lord because of the Torah. But David didn't know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. David didn't know that he did this so that for whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. David didn't know those words. David didn't have those words. We do. If we know that God gave his only begotten son so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, how much more so should the word, should the love of God be manifest to you and I? There are many sitting in churches this morning that have still not chosen, made that decision. That still are saying, well, I'm not sure if God's real. Folks, God in sending his son did something that neither the stars nor the scriptures could ever begin to describe for us. Yes, the stars are beautiful, but they're way up there. The word of God is powerful, but, but praise God, he is not limited to just being words on a page. The Bible is mighty, and it can transform us. But sometimes the scriptures are hard to understand. But Jesus chose. He chose to step out of heaven and come down here. The stars wasn't enough. The word of God wasn't enough. It was for David, but there were so many, it still wasn't enough. But Jesus said, you still can't get into heaven. And I love you so much. I want to bridge that gap. Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us where we are. He wants to bring us to where he is. He loves us in spite of what we are, in spite of what we've done, in spite of what we keep doing. He said, I love you. And David said, the stars cry that out. Though your words cry that out. But folks, I would submit to you this morning that Jesus himself came and cried that out. You see, God came down out of glory. He stepped off that realm through the Son of God. He came in the form of Jesus Christ for you and I. When God chose to reveal himself to mankind, he, he didn't use a book. This was secondary. He didn't choose to use a church that came afterwards. He didn't just use a moral code, a bunch of, praise God, he's not regulated to just do's and don'ts. When Jesus came to truly reveal who he is to you and I, when God chose to reveal himself to the body, when God chose to reveal himself to whomsoever would believe in him, he had a tongue, a human tongue that called forth the dead, I mean, back to life. A human one to cry out onto Lazarus. When his hands touched the leper, there was dirt under his fingernails. 
He had feet that, were, that the woman wept upon that were calloused and broken and from walking in the desert. You see, when Jesus truly wanted to show his love for you and I, he didn't leave it up to the stars. He didn't leave it up to the Bible. He came down off the throne himself, and he that knew no sin became our sin. He took on the confines of a human body. Can you imagine if you had a celestial glorified body that nothing could hurt and nothing would bother you? Would you give that up to step down to love on somebody else? But not only did he do that, but he did it for anybody, whomsoever. Jesus stepped down out of glory because he said, I love you so, so much that people would come to him. Don't forget his tears. Think about how much he was a human being. He had tears. And his tears came because of a broken heart, just like you and I would probably never even understand. When he looked out over Israel and he said, if I could just gather you under my wings as a mother hen, that's how much I care for you. But I'm going to allow you to have the decision to make. David saw the stars. David saw the celestial bodies. David saw the Torah. He saw the Word of God and knew that God loved him. Folks, we have the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. He came down out of heaven, took on the confines of a man, and walked upon this earth. You say, well, that was a long time ago. Well, then look at the people around him. When he walked upon this earth, people came to him. Man, how they flocked to him. David brought it up in his Thursday night class, how people would just come and, and surround him. The people wanted to be there around him. Why? Because they felt and knew the love of God. They came at night. They, they came in the daytime. They touched him as he walked down the street. They followed him around the sea. They invited him to their homes. They laid their children at his feet. Folks, people around him were doing that because he knew and showed and people knew and saw the love of an almighty God. And that love that he's shown upon that earth and to all those people, he said, blessed are you who see, but more blessed are those who have faith in who I am. Folks, God loves us. Folks, Jesus came down off that cross, I mean off that, out of heaven and stood and allowed himself to be nailed to that cross because of what he is for you and I. He chose because of his love for us to bridge the gap. Because he chose to come down out of heaven and suffer as you and I would suffer, people could see the grace and the love because he refused to be a statue in a cathedral somewhere, because he refused to be a preacher in an elevated pulpit somewhere, because he refused to buy into the religious establishment and be waited on hand and foot, because he said, I am the least amongst you. I will wash your feet because I choose to come and be your propitiation, because he chose to give up all the glories that he had and put on the body of a man, you and I can now have eternity and glory through him. That's love. It's not about how well I could preach to you from this pulpit. It's not about how somebody can wear the nicest clothes and, and are a whole lot more eloquent speaking than I am. It's not about how often you pray or what you do here and there. True love is getting down in the trenches and no one got down in the trenches deeper than my God did for whomsoever that's down there. If David could see the love of God in the stars, if he could see the love of God in the scriptures, how much more so should we see the love of God through the actions upon the hill of Calvary, through the 40 days afterwards when he walks amongst the people and over 500 saw him, through the ascension of God and his mediation for you and I today at the right hand of God. If, God, if David could see it in the Psalms, then praise God we have the New Testament. And if you leave out of this building and you still do not know Jesus Christ after today, 
today, you cannot say, God, I did not know. You are leaving saying, God, I chose not to look at you. And just in the Old Testament, when people say, well, he's judgmental, that he, he decides the wicked from the good, that he, he's always condemning this and condemning that, you leave this place. It's not he who condemns you. You condemned yourself because you knew what the consequences were. It's your choice. David saw the love of God in the stars. He saw the love of God in his word. There were those who mocked him. I mean, God. There were those who mocked God. There were those who were envious of God. There were those who misunderstood God. But there were those who revered God. And the question comes down to, which one of those are you? Do you choose to continually mock God by going to church and never accepting him? Because one day every knee will bow. Or do you revere him for the love that he has? There's not one person, when he walked upon this earth, you notice, no one ever thought he was too holy, too divine, too celestial. The religious elite said he was so much lower than anything. His apostles, when they tried to elevate him, he'd say, whoa, whoa, don't go there. There's no one but God the Father. He never got so full of himself that he had to be a super Christian. He never got so full of himself that he would say that I am better than you people. He said, I am doing the will of my Father. And I will follow all the way to the cross. And even then, that debt that we owe him, when he was in that garden and said, Father, if there's any other way yet but not my will, thine be done. He chose to do that for the love that he has for you and I. And if we choose to turn our back on that kind of love, then that's a choice that we should stand in that judgment for. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he extends his hand in that gift of grace. And he said, if you will believe in him, that he is the Son of God and he arose on the third day, and you profess that with your mouth, so shall you be saved. If you're here this morning and you know the Lord, but you, you don't really care, yeah, I accepted him way back when. Or maybe you've gotten so caught up in the, 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 the continualness of life that you don't notice the stars anymore. You don't notice his Bible anymore. You don't notice the miraculous things he does for you every day. You know, David and Barry and I, we went on a motorcycle ride yesterday morning. And as we were riding down 466 and these hills and all this stuff, and the sun came up. In fact, I shared this with them. We stopped and had tacos. There was a point when the sun was coming up and the rays was just going through the clouds and, and these rays came down to the ground. And all I could think of is how can anybody, anybody ever deny the power of my God? Folks, if you've gotten so hardened that you don't see God in that anymore, then I would ask you to look back to the stars. Look back to his word. But most of all, look back to your prayer life with him. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he would love to, or he is already reaching a hand out to you. No one felt rejected when he walked on this earth. There were those who were righteous, self-righteous, religious, that he had some hard words for. 
But those that truly wanted to know him, they were not rejected. He opened his arms and welcomed them all. This morning, you don't have to worry about rejection. Well, there's been church people that told me this and told me that. Isn't it great that my God's not a church people? My God is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And he said, whomsoever comes unto me. Folks, go to him. We'll fail you. I'll fail you. But he won't. Where are you this morning? I'm going to ask us all to stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. This altar will be open, guys. You can come down and pray. You can come down and, and pray with me. You can come to this altar and pray. You might need to go across the aisle and grab somebody and say, I, I just want to apologize for the way I've been. Or you may grab somebody across the aisle and say, I just, want, I just want you to pray with me or for me. But will you heed and listen to whatever it is that God's telling you to do this morning? Because bottom line is this. The heavens declare his majesty. And he said, if my people do not, then the very rocks will cry out. Rather than the rocks cry out, let our hearts cry out. If you're forgiven here this morning, maybe you just need to say, thank you, Jesus. And you say, well, I said that 50 years ago when I got saved. Brother, sister, I think we ought to say it every five minutes or more. Every time I recognize and realize just how bad I can be, I should look up and say, thank you, Jesus, that you love me anyway. Where are you this morning? Where are you? As we go to the Lord in prayer, maybe God's speaking directly to you this morning. You know where you're supposed to be praying. Maybe not even listen to me. Just close your eyes and pray whatever it is God's telling your heart to do. That, that Holy Spirit within you will give you utterance. But guys... Please don't leave here today if you don't know Jesus. And as you can see, we don't put numbers on a wall. I don't care about numbers on a wall. I don't care about feathers in my hat. It's not about that. Yes, I know there are religious institutions that really put big stock in that. You know, I never saw anywhere where Jesus had to have a book of, of who did this and who did that. He reached in and he prayed. The only book is that Lamb's Book of Life. You're either written in it or you're not. It's not about what church you attend. It's not how often you go to church. Have you accepted him or not? It's your choice this morning. Father God, I come before you this morning. I thank you that it's not about a church. I thank you it's not about a denomination. There are those who think because of a specific denomination they'll get into heaven or not. There's not a denomination, there's not a human being on this earth that can supersede what you've done for us. You died on that cross so many years ago so that whomsoever believed in you shall not perish. David saw your beauty in the sky. He saw your beauty in your word. I pray we do as well, but God, we see your beauty in a dark, horrible place called Calvary. We see your love on a cross when you cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We see you when you chose to shed your blood for us for the remission of sins and your blood was once and for all good enough. God, I pray this morning there's someone here today 
that has not allowed that blood to wash them, that today they'll make that decision true. There's someone here today that you're telling that they need to, to break that. Uh, maybe it was a grudge they had against someone or whatever it is that's been a hurdle in their prayer life to you. And maybe we've just gotten complacent and forgot to see you in the stars around us. God, open our hearts individually. And may we truly be, do, and say whatever it is you've called us to do. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's telling you sing, sing. If he's telling you to come down to this altar, come to this altar. If he's telling you to come speak to me and let me pray with you, I'll do that as well. But will you do what the Lord leads you to do today? Chris? Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. For a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His one. Jesus, 
Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody today. I praise God for each one of you. I, and if you're here and you still don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I've been known to make jokes that I hope your lunch tastes horrible and things of that nature. But you know, God's kind of laid it on my heart right now to just let you know that it's not a joking matter. It's a serious thing. Because I don't know, we're not one of us promised another breath. I'm not trying to manipulate or, or tell somebody, scare somebody into doing something. That's your decision. So in you and Christ, but I pray that you'll get that right before it's too late. Amen? Amen. Amen. Danae, come on up, baby. Danae is coming this morning, guys, while y'all are all here. Danae knows Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She's been baptized, and Grandma and Grandpa are sitting here, and she's scared to death to be standing up here by herself with me right now. But she's coming this morning. She said God laid it on her heart. She wants to move her membership here with us in this church body. Amen? So everybody in accordance with that, say amen this morning. Any opposed? Oh, they all like you. (laughs) Amen, baby. Whenever she crosses your mind, you might not remember her name, but remember her face and lift her to the Lord. Amen? Peer pressure nowadays, or all times, is really hard. And Satan's going to try to pull her down at this point. Remember to lift her back up. Amen? Amen, baby. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning, and remember those that, that are going on the Alaskan mission next in the, in the week and a half, I want to encourage you to stay for just a quick brief meeting over in the fellowship hall, and we'll get out of here after that. So guys, good seeing everyone this morning. Remember to see God and the stars around you, and keep looking up. No matter where you may go, wherever you may be, God's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and he's in all places all the time. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord for each one of you. David, you want to close us in prayer this morning?
Got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my soul. Down in the depths of my soul. Down in the depths of my soul. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my soul. Down in the depths of my soul to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack. Sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack today. And I'm so happy. So very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy. So very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Yet I'm so happy, very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart.